What's up, golf addicts, and welcome to the Masters 2020 DFS and DraftKings breakdown by the Tour Junkies, along with our good friend, fellow Augusta native, and making his 12th Masters appearance, Charles Howell III. You're going to hear him first right after this intro. Charles tells us all about what he thinks Augusta National is going to play like. We're going to have a great time with Charles. It's about the first 20 to 25 minutes of this episode. If you listen to the sports betting episode as well, he's also the same. it's the same interview in that episode, so you can skip that. You don't have to listen to the same thing over and over again, but it's going to be a great show. Of course, we're going to talk through our picks, our fades, uh, guys who we think are going to be chalk in the Masters in terms of DFS on DraftKings. We're going to listen to a couple listener voicemails. Actually got a couple of really clever listener voicemails. We're going to tackle those today. And Pat is Pat throws something out there that if uh, if something works out for a certain player, he's going to eat paper next week on the podcast. He's going to eat his course breakdown on next week's show. I can't wait for that. For now, enjoy Charles Howell III, and then me and Pat will be back right after that to break down the DraftKings slate. But we're excited to have our friend, multiple-time guest on the Tour Junkies podcast, and fellow Augusta native, Mr. Charles Howell III. Charles, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it, man. How you doing? Well, I'm all good. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you, you brought up a, a November Masters. I, I think all of us growing up in Augusta, We've seen a lot of things. I never, ever, ever thought I would see this. So uh, 2020 is uh, once again uh, showing itself. What do you think this is going to look like? Um, or what have you heard? What have you seen? What do you anticipate how it will look any different than it would in April? Well, I think first off, I mean, we've, we restarted golf uh, the end of June. And it's been awkward without fans. Uh, you know, we've, we've had a couple of uh, sporadic, like I've played a couple of pro-ams. Um, you know, uh, we've had a couple of events with a certain amount of fans. I think going to the Masters with no fans is going to be the first time it really hits guys. Uh, my goodness, this is awkward. Um, you know, so much of Augusta National, I, I really can't think of a famous or iconic picture there without a sea of gallery and people in the background whether they frame a fairway or if they're cheering or if they're behind the 16th green. I, I, I think this is going to be the first event where it almost bothers players, where um, hmm. you're going to walk out there and just think, holy cow, you know, what, what makes Augusta, Augusta, a large part of it is the fans, not just the roars, but their presence and their excitement and everything. And when you walk you know, through that clubhouse onto the other side where the golf course is and to see nothing. Um, I think it's going to be the first time it really catches players is like, oh my gosh, this is, uh, this is different. What about, what about course conditions and how it's going to play? Um, I mean, you know, as well as we do, Augusta weather can definitely change on a dime yep. in, in November. You can have really cool mornings and very pleasant afternoons like we're having right now um, yep. here in Augusta. And we are just a few days away from, from Masters Week here. How do you think it's going to set up differently or play or conditions, and what have you heard? I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, obviously, us growing up there, you know, it can be it can be cold in November, and um, I, I think the fairways will be softer. Um, you know, anytime you know you've you've put overseed down fairly recently, um, I've heard all the Bermuda hasn't gone dormant, so there's you know there's some tight lies in certain areas could make some wedge shots into 13 or, and especially 15 off that downslope a little bit dicey. Um, you know, chipping, 
not that guys bump a lot of balls around those greens anymore, but but that shot could be taken away from you uh, if it's kind of soft and spongy. Uh, you know, with the overseed recently going down and having to water that. Um, I think the greens will be fine, uh, you know, with the sub-air machines and all that. I'm, I'm sure they'll be able to get those firm and fast. And, but I think the huge difference you'll see is, is the fairways. I don't think you'll see the, the, the big bounces of the balls off the tees. And so I think it'll play longer. Um, anytime a golf course plays longer, especially to these greens, it, it's going to play more difficult. Um, you know, the prospect of, you know, lacing a five iron into that fifth green isn't, doesn't sound too much fun, <laughs> but, uh, um, but I, so I think you're going to see a little harder golf course. I, I, I really do than April. All right. So uh, let's talk about Bryson. I mean, Bryson's <laughs> the odds on favorite. He is the, one of the most polarizing people in golf right now, uh, changing the game, you might say. So what are your thoughts on Bryson? You know, what he's doing right now? what he plans to do at the Masters, and um, just in general, what you what do you think? Well, <clears throat> I think the first thing to remember is when Bryson was an amateur and he, let's say, was like a lot skinnier than he is now or smaller, whatever you want to call it, his ball speed was still 178. And when he wanted to, he could hit it and get it to low 180s. So we started off with a guy that already had speed. Um now, what he's done, as much as the working out and getting bigger and bulkier and gaining all the weight thing, he's also changed his golf swing. So um, I think a lot of factors went in. It wasn't just the, you know, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, if you will. You know, there was a change in his golf swing. There was change in equipment. There was a lot of other things. Um, I think what he's doing is great. Uh, he's challenging a lot of norms, right? He's challenging a lot of the norms that we grew up playing golf with. And you know, we, uh, I was paired with him, uh, or sorry, I was paired in front of him in Las Vegas a few weeks ago at TBC Summerlin, where he hit a couple of drives was unbelievable. And this is, I've played that tournament every year starting in 2000. The, where he drove the ball, I've seen people chip out to, but I've never seen drives go <laughs> near there. And so, yeah, he is changing the game. And it'll be interesting to see what he does at Augusta. I mean, there's, um, you still have to drive it straight at Augusta. I know people say that the fairways are wide and forgiving, and they're not as wide as people want you to think they are. Um, you know, you still got to drive the ball well there. And, I mean, just like everybody else in the golf world, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does there as well. Um, if he drives it straight in that far, it's a massive advantage, obviously. But uh, you still got to do it. So that's what I was going that's what I was going to ask, though, is because he's a favorite, and it, what would be the one thing that would, you know, cause him to disappoint at the Masters? And so you think it would be if, if he just can't hit it accurate off the tee? Correct. I mean, you look at, I mean, like number 11, for example, is, a, is obviously a really difficult hole there. Um, number five with the new tee box that's gone way back last year. Like, if he's going to hit driver off those tees, it's still narrow where he's driving that ball into. So – um, you know, the seventh hole is another hole. That, that's not a wide fairway down there. Um, so he will – he's still got to drive it straight. Now, if he drives it straight by, and hits it 400, massive advantage and, and you know, hats off to him. But So it, it will be interesting to see how all that works out. Let's talk, about, let's talk about guys playing next week. Let's start with you. Talk about 
state of your game, what you're preparing for, um, and kind of how you feel going into – how many Masters is this now for you? I think this is 12, I think. 12. Um, okay, so my game's been good. I've been, I've been home a lot practicing and working on it. Um, for me to play well there, I need to play the par fives good. Um, you know, I, I am long enough to reach them all. Uh, maybe not with the clubs Bryson is, but, you know, I can still reach all the par fives. That is massive around Augusta. Um, and then play the par threes and even par. Um, you know, those two things there, um, if I can do that, 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 will be, that will be a good week. Um, those are the two big factors there. I've done a lot of putting practice, a lot of really big sloping, you know, four to eight foot putts. Um, a lot of things like that, you know, where it's very typical Masters Augusta type stuff. Um, I think come Sunday, the winner of the tournament will be the guy uh, that did that. He played the par fives really well. Um, you know, if, if the weather holds in there and stays warm, you, you can still you can still see a low score uh, winner. Um, but like you said, if it changes and gets cold, it could be you know similar to the year Zach Johnson won. You know, it can be uh, you know you start getting that eighteenth hole playing in off the left and all that stuff. I mean, it, as you know from being in Augusta, November December, it can play long really fast, and um, it sounds like it plays into Bryson's hands quite a bit, Rory, uh, Dustin Johnson, you know, these guys. But, um, but yeah, for a player like me to play well there, it's, it's the par fives and the par threes even par. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, and we'll take out Rory and, and uh, Bryson. Yep. So I'm not going to let you get those two. So give me a okay. few other guys that you think Mike could uh, kind of come under the radar and play well. Um, uh, Xander Shoffley. Um, you know, Xander, I, I, I'd say him. Uh, he'd be a guy I'd watch out for. Um, Webb Simpson, you know, he's a guy that, uh, he's a great scorer. His short game is awesome. Um, bit of a, you know, he's a grinder. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a guy, uh, that'd be another one. And then, uh, let me think of an off the wall-ish type pick. I'm Man. surprised you said um, Webb, just, just because, and I know Webb's gained, I know Webb's gained some distance. Yes. Um, but, you know, with the courses soft, uh, as you're talking about, I'm, that one, that one surprises me a little bit. Well, and, and the, the reason I say it is because his short game is phenomenal. Um, you know, he's a, he's a guy that he'll kind of surprise you. Like, he's a guy that'll come out. And, I mean, when you look at the golf he's played lately, it's phenomenal. I mean, the, the run he's been on yeah. um, is yeah. really good. Um, that's why I had him in there. And you know what? Like, for a flyer pick, I, I'm still waiting on Jordan Spieth to, to, to re reemerge. I think he's, he's a guy who works hard. He's a grinder. Um, he's obviously had massive success around Augusta. And uh, he's too good not to, uh, not to show back up. Well, I'm looking ahead right now. The farthest I can see, um, it looks like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are all going to be um, currently in Augusta looking a little rainy. So a little more, yep. a little more, even softer than what we're talking yep. about. But the temps on Thursday right now, low of 70, high of 80. So it looks like it yes. might be a warmer week um, yep. in November. Yes. So do you so, think if that happens, what, what happens there? I think the warmer it gets, the more people get in the mix, basically. Um, if it's cold and nasty and, and playing really long, it's going to clearly favor the long hitter. Um, but I, I think the warmer and warmer it gets and stays in there, I just think the more people get in the mix. I mean, you look at that first tee, for example. I mean, I mean, if you're hitting five iron into that green, I mean, if, whew, 
I mean, that green's uncomfortable with a wedge in your hand. Um, yeah. I mean, you start to look at that fourth hole. The parts were there at 255 and 48 degrees in the morning, you know. So there's it, – it, yeah, if it stays warm, as you're staying there, it, just, it gets more people in the mix. What, I want to ask you about first-timers. So, yeah. And the first thing I'm going to do is ask you this. Do you think uh, – and I would, I would think so, but without patrons – um, now, now there's definitely, we, we've talked about this. You've talked about this, the, the patrons kind of shape the holes a little bit, which is nice. Yep. And other players on tour have talked about that in other tournaments, how sometimes it helps them shape the, the, the golf hole a little bit more, more pleasing to the eye, but also at Augusta, you, you know, they, they've not played it with patrons, right? So they're not going to know any different. And, um, maybe that makes it easier with, with less going on. What, what do you think the, 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 having no patrons is going to do for a first timer. Hope you guys are enjoying the interview with Charles Howell, the third so far. We're going to get right back into it. But before we do, I need to get you guys to join us on monkeyknifefight.com. It is the coolest new way to play fantasy golf. Uh, the monkey knife fight is legal basically everywhere. I think it's legal everywhere you can play fantasy golf. Okay. It's more props based. It's so much fun to play. Me and Pat have been playing for a few weeks. And there's a big edge to be found on Monkey Knife Fight in terms of golf. Because they do other sports like NFL, NBA. But, hey, i got to be honest with you right now, they're focused on the NFL. And the golf props, there is money to be made. And we've been making it along with a bunch of friends in the Nut Hut. And if you sign up today using promo code TOURJUNKIES, when you sign up, you get a 100% deposit bonus match up to 50 bucks. So if you put in 50 bucks, they're going to give you another free 50 to play with. So head over to monkeyknifefight.com or download the app today. Sign up with promo code Tour Junkies. Join us. Let's make some money. Now back to Charles Howell. Well, it, it's sad for the first timer that because they won't get the whole Masters experience, right? Like yeah. that. That was one thing. Is nerve wracking as it was and is. It's still what makes it special. Um, now, as far as competing in the tournament, yes, it will make it easier. Uh, no question about it. Um, there still is the. Augusta national factor where even with nobody out there, you're still not comfortable. I mean, <laughs> every hole out there, you can make a birdie or a double like that. And it's, and it's real. Um, but I would say for the first timers, this is their best opportunity to play their best golf because it will be much more of a toned down masters Augusta national, if you will. All right. So let me give you some names. Now yeah. you can't, I'm not going to let you get away with Matt Wolf, your, your fellow okay. Oklahoma state boy. Yep. who's just unbelievably good. Yep. Um, so he's one. And, and I'm okay. going to skip some of the, the amateurs and some of these guys. Yeah. You have Eric Van Ruyen. Okay. You have Nick Taylor. You have Scotty yep. Scheffler. Uh, yep. Andrew Putnam, JT Poston, Victor Perez out of the European Tour, uh, yep. CT Pan, Sebastian Munoz, Colin Morikawa, um, Nate Lashley, Jason Kokrak, Sung Kang, Sung J.M., Max yep. Homa, Lonto Griffin, Tyler Duncan, yep. Cam Champ. Give me some of the. Give me a few of those names that that you think. That's a first timer that you know could make some noise. Probably not win, but could make some noise. Yeah. Okay. So um, the easy one out of there is Colin Morikawa, right? But but that's 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 the boring answer because he he's really good. Yeah. Uh, by the way, he's a guy with a ball speed of one seventy that's playing great golf, right? So there's your other. Um, I'd say, you know, JT Poston has played quietly really good. Um, and he's, he's become a heck of a player, very stable, 
you know, nothing flashy. Uh, my favorite out of those guys you named, probably Scotty Scheffler. Uh, yeah. There's a lot to like about him, about his game, the way he plays. Um, he's played well, like in a big stages before. I would say him on that that list. Yeah, um, Scotty's amazing. What What do you give me a winning score prediction? Oh, knew you're gonna go there. Um, <laughs> I say twelve under. Um, I I I'd say twelve, and I, I'd say. Based on the weather you just told me, being a bit warm like that, yeah, I would say 12 under. Yeah, 12 come Sunday will be a good number. They're still Augusta National. I mean, it, let's just say, for example, scores were to get low, we get perfect weather and it gets soft for whatever reason. The sub-air machines can come back on. The whole locations can start finding some funny areas. And, yeah, all yeah, i say 12. Can't they turn on the sub-air? I mean, because they have sub-air through the whole golf course, don't they? To, to, to my knowledge, they do, yes. It's, but they're, they're going to have to water the fairway so much to get that overseed to come out. Like, that'll be more of a challenge. The greens, yeah, I'm, like I said, that's still the one caveat. They can still make those greens firm, and they will. Uh, I just thought this just popped in my head because DB's been talking about all the young guys. So I got to ask about the older guys in the field. Yeah. You know, the the, the, the Meads, on, you know, the Charles yes. Howells, you know, the over, maybe not over 40, <laughs> maybe over, over 35. Howells. Yes, exactly. out. you're older than he is. I yeah. am. I'm, yeah, I'm your senior, Charles. I know, uh, but I know. <laughs> so, who are some older guys that compete? I mean, you got guys like Kucher in the field. You know, Westwood is a guy we've talked about. He's been playing good on the yeah. European tour. Anybody else that kind of comes to mind that you you think might could play well? Well, you just mentioned it. Lee Lee Westwood's a guy. Um, I had a conversation with him earlier this year in Mexico. I just you know, about with the age he's at, you know, how he's able to do it. And we, he talked a bit, I know he's done a couple of interviews on this about like his attitude is, you know what, I'm here at this age. I'm at the end of ish of my career. I'm just going to enjoy it. And I don't care anymore. And if I had a bad shot, I don't really care anymore. And you know, that attitude, especially in golf is quite, you know, freeing if you will and whatnot. And he is one heck of a player. I mean, you start looking at his resume and what he's done over the years, what he did in Europe, um, he'd be a guy that I would say for sure, watch him. Um, especially if it were to get any bit kind of windy or, you know, the weather gets a little bit wintry, if you will, an Augusta type guy, he's, he definitely has the stones to, to put, to be up there on Sunday. I like it. Well, you got, you, you know, you've been around here a lot. Like talk about some of your buddies that are playing in this thing. Like you got, you got friends here. I mean, obviously I know you're close with all the Oklahoma state guys, but yeah. Um, Talk about some of your boys in this in this in this field and and kind of who you think you like. You know, when you when you look at it, I think the the Masters in November it, it it's just so odd and different for everybody. Where from a range of like Max Homa has been a guy that that I've we've had conversations about Augusta for right, and and he's obviously super excited to be here, et cetera, and. A player like that, even though it's their, let's say, first time, being in November, no patrons, et cetera, like a guy like that could play really well and have a big week. Um, I've been paired with Max quite a bit this fall. Uh, he drives the ball awesome. I mean, he's, his game is really, really good at the moment. Um, I'm a huge Rory McIlroy fan. I just like the way he does almost everything. Um, 
I still think he's due for a green jacket in his closet. Um, so I, I think he'll, I think he'll be up there. Um, he's definitely a guy, you know, I think then, uh, I don't know why this guy always goes under the radar, but like a John Rahm, you know, for a guy that's was, I mean, look at his world ranking and his, he always seems to come in under the radar. I think he's a guy that'll be there. Um, I, I just think that the whole concept of a November masters with no fans, I, I think it's just going to be a bizarre for everybody. Um, it's going to show quite a bit different on TV. Um, I mean, heck, we got college game day here on Saturday. I mean, it, the things that you just saw, you never said before. Like, that's, yeah. I, the whole thing for everybody is just going to be interesting to watch. So one of your good friends on, on tour for, the, for your entire career has been Tiger. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we've had you on here before telling some fun stories about Tiger at the President's Cup, and I'll never forget your shark diving story with Tiger. Yes. Um, talk about what you've seen from him uh, lately. He's not, he's not been playing his best, um, but defending champ yep. uh, of the 2020 Masters right now. Um, and kind of talk about what you've seen, what you've talked to him about or heard from him. I actually heard he was here in Augusta a couple days ago playing, um, and then kind of his outlook for, for this year. Well, if there's one thing we've all learned, he's never a guy to bet against. So, yeah. um, he, so he, he definitely he's a bit like Nick Saban. Just, just don't, don't bet against the guy. And, um, you know, coming in, you know, I mean, listen, I, I know that, that from he's changed his workouts, his, his body's better. Um, you know, watching him at Sherwood, I know Akoi didn't play his best golf, but he still like he was moving better. Um, and, you know, his experience around Augusta and like nobody has hit more critical and important and big shots than that guy around there. So he's really seen it all uh, around there. So I don't I, he's, he's always the guy come Augusta is, is going to be there. Um, I still go back to one of the most incredible golf performances ever was when he came off his you know extended break and layover and finished fourth there. Um, is unbelievable. I, I just, I, I still, so, so that clearly shows you that, that he loves Augusta and he loves the golf course and has clearly played well there. I, he's never got a bet against, no, no chance. Yeah. Can't, can't count Tiger out for sure. He showed us that no. time and time again. Yes, um, exactly. Well, we appreciate it, man. This, this was fun. It was good to talk Augusta with you, man. I, I wish we could, you know, I wish we could come out there and see you guys play um, this coming week and, uh, but we wish you all the best. And, and, of course, we'll be all tuned in every single minute. Um, and, hey, listen, would love to hear some reports from you. Like, if you're Perfect. out there, you know, report back and be like, let me tell you how weird this was. You know, I wasn't all expecting right. this. I'm sure there's probably going to be some things, too, that you're going to be like, damn, I didn't even think about that. Okay. Well, we'll do it for sure. Well, listen, I, I appreciate you having me on. We'll stay in touch a bunch next week and uh, uh, get back on and do this. And, uh We'll, uh, we'll send some pictures your way, too. I'm sure it'll be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be cool. That'd be cool. Well, you Charles guys have Howard a third. good day. We'll see you next week. Thank you, man. We appreciate you. What's going on, Golf Addicts? It is the Masters. It is the Masters DFS show. We are the Tour Junkies. You just heard Charles Howell III, our friend, uh, fellow Augusta native, just like us. Big difference between us and him, though, is uh, he's made a bajillion dollars playing golf. And uh, he's appearing in like his 12th Masters. And so great to hear from our buddy CH3, who, you know, could have been you, Pat. You know, you guys grew up together hitting golf balls on the range at Augusta Country Club right next to each other, you know, playing playing golf together. And here you are and here he is, you know. 
Yeah, um, there's a lot of similarities. Here Here I am about to crack open a, a little Wild Leap. Mm. Oh, let me get that right, IPA yeah, here. There we go. And uh, yeah, a lot of, you know, Charles is such a great guy, but we are, we'd have nothing in common other than we're from the same place. And we grew up in the same club. You like golf. There you go. Um, yeah. Charles was fantastic. If you are, so this is the DFS podcast. We have a betting podcast preview for the Masters out as well. And the first, uh, the first part of that episode is going to be the same Charles Howell interview that you just heard. We're putting that same clip in both in case some people only listen to one or the other. Great content there. Charles giving us a ton of thoughts about how he thinks the golf course is going to play, what he knows about Augusta, his thoughts. He even threw out some names. That's the great thing about Charles. He's like a, he's like a college professor with tenure. He can say and do whatever he wants. Like there, there are plenty of players who are afraid to come on here and, and, and like maybe answer a question that would help people bet better on golf or maybe mention a name that they like because they're scared. Charles is like, dude, I've been doing this, you know, 25 years. I think I'm good. Like he, he's, he's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good good comparison. I mean, he is exactly like a tenured professor, and I like that. You know, he can just say whatever he wants, and it's just, you know, comes out, and he doesn't really care and gives us some good information. He even gave us picks and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just really cool. So, uh, love hearing from Charles, great friend of the podcast. 100%. Why don't you talk about, you know, let's, let's – we all know Augusta National, okay? We all know how this golf course tends to, tends to set up, although not in November – um, by the way, we should mention we're recording this on Saturday afternoon in Augusta, Georgia. Looking forward to, um, to getting this out early for everybody. Hope you're enjoying it. So, Pat, you normally do the course breakdown. Talk through, based on what Charles has said, how you expect to see Augusta National play and what type of uh, play it will be rewarding. Well, I mean, if you listen to Charles, I think one of the biggest things that he talked about was that he thought the course would play a lot softer. We're expecting a little bit of rain next week. Um, I think that that is interesting. So that is certainly going to play into the hands of the longer hitter. You know, we're going to, you know, Bryson is the favorite. You know, some of these longer hitters are all up there. Rory, you know, all of that. So I think that's definitely one key that you're going to see. Now, it's played like that in the spring, too. So it's not like you know, that's not how it typically sets up. But, I mean, a softer course, you know, will be interesting to see. You could also see, again, I mean, I think that one of the things I thought was interesting that you talked about was kind of the Bermuda still was a little bit under the rye grass that we, you know, that's not any, by the time you get to April, that rye grass has taken over and it's, it's established in there. Whereas now it's not as established as we see, you know, typically in the spring. And that could create some problems as far as lies are concerned. And, you know, he talked about, you know, wedge shots in the 15 or 13 could be a little bit more difficult because you're thinking about that Bermuda underneath the rye. So that's interesting to me as well. Um, you know, the greens, though, just like always, they're going to be rolling super quick. You know, they're bent grass greens. They're pure. Um, so I think that that, you know, will play just like it always does at Augusta National. And then you're just going to have to, you know, you're going to have to be able to get up and down. I mean, here's the thing with the National. If you've ever walked the course, which we've done several times, you just, you can't really tell until you're on that course what these green surfaces are like and what the contours are like. You got to be able to miss these greens in the right spots if you do miss them. You know, you got to put yourself in a good position. You can't be above the hole if you do hit the green. You know, it's going to make for a tough, slopey putt. You got to be either hole high or below the hole almost, you know, every hole out here. So I think that's something that we're going to pay attention to. But 
Um, I think the softness of the course and the greens, you know, really the biggest things that I thought Charles talked about um, as far as the course is concerned. What, what, do you, what about you? Yeah, I think that's the key. And the temperatures that we're looking to see as of now are much warmer, uh, 70s and even low 80s, which uh, is not uncommon in November in Augusta. Sometimes it could, you know, Augusta weather is weird. I'll, I'll tell you that. So I would say to keep paying attention to it. And like Charles said, the warmer temperatures bring more of the field into it is what he was saying. Shorter hitters, whatever. It brings more people into it. Still going to play long, but I think if we see the 70s and 80s, you know, temperatures, it's not going to play as different as we have seen in a lot of years past in April. Um, but it will play longer, at least somewhat, because of the softer fairways. And yes, they may have sub air under there and they can suck a little moisture out, but they have to keep them watered because of what you mentioned, the ryegrass and the Bermuda, they have to keep them wet. Charles mentioned that. So you're just not going to see a ton of roll out there uh, in the fairways. But I do think the greens and around those greens are going to play pretty similar to what we've seen in April. So, you know, I think that's key. He talked about uh, he talked about the first timer and he talked about how this year without patrons, if anything, it helps a first timer. We haven't seen a first timer win since the very first Masters and Fuzzy Zeller was the most recent one, I believe, back in the 80s, maybe late 70s. 77, um, actually. 77. Believe, because it was I think it was the year I was born. So, you know, he talked about the first timers and he said, you know, with, without patrons, there's definitely an edge there to some extent. Um, and, and I think we've seen that. We, we saw that at the PGA with Colin Morikawa, these young guys coming out and doing their thing. Um, so I do think that is, I think that's interesting. I think, um, th and there's a really strong group of first timers in this field. I mean, just let, let me read you some names of first timers here. Matt Wolf, Scotty Scheffler. J.T. Poston, Colin Morikawa, Jason Kokrak, Max Holma, Lonto Griffin, Tyler Duncan, Cameron Champ, Eric Van Ruyen, Abraham Anser, Sung Kang, Sung J.M., Victor Perez, Sebastian Munoz, Nick Taylor, C.T. Pan. Those, you know, I missed a few, but those are some really good names that are playing really well right now. Um, and, and, you know, he talks specifically about the first-timers and about how the, the patronless fairways uh, may take a little bit of the intimidation factor out. Now, we also, we also know that there is so much local knowledge to playing these courses and knowing these greens and, and knowing which side you can miss on. And on certain pin locations, you got to be here, you can't be here. Uh, you know, even Tiger just last year, I think, said he learns something new every time he comes out there and he kind of files it away. So it's not that, um, it, it's not that it puts a first-timer on a level playing field, but I think it it definitely, if, if there's going to be a year, I feel like they're going to break the first time. They could break the first timer curse, considering the strength of the of the first timers in this field, and that factor. It's possible. Uh, now, we also know. I mean, it's you know, 2020. I mean, it's 2020. It's gonna, something like that's probably gonna either happen. that or Sandy Lyle's going to win because yeah. as we speak right now, Dowie Vanderwalt is leading the Houston Open on a Saturday afternoon. We just had. Brian Gay and Stuart Sink win golf tournaments in the fall. It would be very 2020 for, you know, freaking Sandy Lyle to, I don't know. I don't know how that would, I don't know how that could happen, but also didn't think we'd have a Masters in November. Um, Charles thinks the winning score around 12 under. That's kind of what he thinks. 12 under. I think Tiger won last year at 13. Um, thought that was interesting. You know, he talked about some specific players, which we can maybe get into as we start looking at names. But I think overall, that's kind of what I, I, I think that's what he, he gave us on the golf course. Um, now, we, we look at something called data golf sometimes. And, 
you know, data golf has this, this tool that shows course history and how much it matters per course. And you can look up any course they play worldwide and, and data golf based on the data will tell you how important course history is. And Augusta national ranks numero uno. So we all know Not surprising. That, that course history at Augusta is a big, big deal. So that's obviously something we're going to look at. And I do think with it being warmer temperatures, you know, the course history, you know, keeps some of its, some of its weight, you know, if it were going to be really cold in November, you lose a little, you know, it becomes a little less predictable. Um, but I do think, it, I do think course history is going to matter just as much as basically any other master here to me. Um, obviously recent form. Let's look at some trends. I want to talk through some trends real quick, Pat, uh, before we start getting into names and stuff like that. Nine of your last 10 winners were under the age 40. Eight of the last 10 were ranked in the world's top 20. Uh, 10 of, seven of the last 10 have played in at least three Masters. Nine of the last 10 have posted a top 30 at Augusta National. 10 of the last 10 have posted a top 10 earlier in the season. So, uh, and, and no world number ones have won in the last 10 years. So sorry to you, Dustin Johnson, if he retains that after this week at Houston. So very, very interesting trends. Augusta tends to have these trends year in and year out. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, that is, uh, that's interesting for sure. Um, I will mention as well, we have 95 players in the field this week. Actually, there may be less because I think there are a couple that were listed that aren't playing. But one to note is Joaquin Neiman yeah. is out due to COVID, so he will not be playing. hate it for that guy. I mean, he yeah. obviously has played here before because he won the Latin American Amateur, but this would be his first pro start at the Masters. So uh, really sucks for him. And um, anyway, yeah. also – Top 50 and ties will make the cut this week. Uh, or if you're within 10 of the leader, which is something the, the Masters has done for a good while. So I think that's also something to make sure you pay attention to as well. It is not T65 and ties like we see at, at most tour events or T70, which is what I believe we had at the U.S. Open or the PGA. I can't remember which one. But anyway, so I think that's something that we'll need to look at as well. Um, agree with you so much on course history. I think it's just this is just – the Masters is just one of those tournaments that's you just got to pay attention to that. I mean, we see guys like going back to your Freddie Couples, your your Phil Mickelson's, those kind of guys. Just every year, year in and year out. I mean, I think Couples made like something like fifteen straight cuts here or something. I don't know what it was, but um, you know, what other stats are you looking something, at? Something. Well, something to think about there is you know, as we talk about DFS. I did some research over the last five years versus uh, so players who made the cut versus total number of players in the field. And over the last five years, on average, 63% of the field plays the weekend, which is, you know, a, a little, a little higher than you're typically used to seeing on the PGA tour rotation with 140 players, 144 sometimes um, in a cut event where top 65 and ties get in. Uh, it's usually, around that 50%, 52, 53% number. So you've got more, more guys making the cut on average at the Masters due to those cut rules, due to the smaller field, which is huge for DFS. So as we get into stats, uh, which by the way, all of our stats that we're going to bring up today, course history, recent form, stats, if you want to run optimizers for lineup building, if you want to look at ownership projections, if you want to run models, simulations, all that good stuff, 
fantasynational.com is where we go to get it, and it's where we've gone for the last four years. And now they're getting all their data straight from CDW, partnered with the PGA Tour and ShotLink data. So it's you know that the data is accurate. There are other sites out there, okay, that are, are, are not getting their data from CDW, and it's not certified. Um, Fantasy National is now doing that for both the PGA Tour and Corn Ferry Tour. So you need to sign up for Fantasy National if you're into golf betting, if you're into DFS, if you're into anything involving handicapping golf tournaments across the world. FantasyNational.com is where it's at. If you go to FantasyNational.com slash TJ or use Tour Junkies in the, you know, where'd you hear about us section when you sign up, you do get a 20% off subscription. Uh, you can choose a weekly, monthly, or annual subscription at Fantasy National. So you can try it out. If you love it, great. If you like it, if you try it out for a week or a month and you want to up it to the year, you still get to keep the 20% off discount as long as you put in FantasyNational.com slash TJ. Again, we've been using them for years. So any kind of stats we pull out, uh, on this show or any other show you listen to, it's all coming from Fantasy National. Um, so aside from the stats, I, I think when it comes to DFS, and we see this all the time with the Masters specifically, limited number of players. So I, I, look, I took this field and I counted 84 players, 84 players that I think have a semblance of a chance of making the cut. Okay, so 84 out of your 95, whatever. On average, the number of players that have made the cut over the last five years is, uh, is around 57. 57 players make the cut. Um, and I think there are 84 that have a potential to make the cut. So if you're talking about, I think contest selection is important every week, but it's especially important this week in DFS because you have to understand the variance in, in these lineups and the number of entries you got coming in. The most important thing is having ownership leverage to me. If we're talking DFS, you got to have places in your lineups where you have leverage. You can eat some chalk. We're going to talk about Bryson. We're going to talk about some other names that we project to be pretty chalky. You can do that, but you better have plenty of leverage in your lineups, especially depending on the contest you're playing in because so many of these guys are going to make the cut and really and truly – everybody's really picking from 84 players, in my opinion. People are picking from 84 players. And 55 or 57 of those are going to make the cut. So the, the number of six of six lineups is going to be through the roof. You know, it's going to be 20% maybe. It's going to be higher than 20% maybe that are going to be six of six. And most GPPs or tournaments on DraftKings are going to pay out to only the top 20%. So a six of six is not even guaranteed to cash in the Masters more than likely, unless we just see a ton of the chalk bomb. Um, so I think ownership is number one. What are your thoughts on that? And what are your key stats outside of ownership? Yeah, I agree with you on ownership. And I, I think for all the reasons that you just said, you really drilled that down going with some math there. You know, I was about yep. to bring my calculator out and see like some percentages there. That's, that's bringing the stuff. A game. Bringing yeah, the A game. Good, good stuff, DB. Yeah. I mean, but I agree. I mean, you're definitely getting a higher number that make the cut because of the smaller field and everything else. I wouldn't treat this like a, a WGC event, no, no cut type event, but I still think you do have to, you're going to have to still have a very solid six of six lineup to cash. I think you're certainly going to have to have a winner. Um, but as far yeah. as stats are concerned for me, I'm going to look at strokes gained off the tee approach is certainly going to be my number one stat that I'm looking at. I mean, we, we talked, I just talked about it earlier. I mean, this is an approach shot golf course. I mean, 
even if you do miss, miss the fairways, the rough isn't all that thick, and you've got to hit these greens in the right spot in order to score. I mean, it's just that simple. Um, we mentioned history, course form as well. I'm going to look at strokes gained around the green a little bit just because I do think you have to have a yeah. very solid scrambling, you know, game for this course. I mean, we look at it every year. I mean, a guy like Patrick Reed winning. I mean, he's a fantastic scrambler. Phil Mickelson, all that kind of stuff. I mean, so I think that that's Steve. going to be something that, that's important as well. And then I'll look at some long-term form as far as bent grass greens are concerned. I want to know the guys that putt well on bent traditionally. So that, that will certainly be a stat. So that's what I'm going to be focusing on for the Masters. Yep, agree on the bent grass. Always going to look at that. Um, agree on around the green, looking there. Agree on approach. That's probably my number one weighted stat as well. Um, I'm looking at strokes gain off the tee as well. Driving distance. I do think this is a distance course. I think that's where the edge is uh, – um, is off the tee, as it is every week. But I, I do think Augusta National is a distance course, without a doubt. And kind of what plays yeah. into that is par five scoring. Um, you don't have to score on the par fives by getting there in two on all of them. Charles talked about that as well. You know, I mean, he talked about the fact that he can get to these in two. But there are guys like Zach Johnson, Webb Simpson, whoever, that, that are going to wedge it to death and, and maybe hit a couple of them in two. But, you know, have that really good short game that, that gets them up and down and, and make, make a ton of birdies. But uh, those are kind of the stats I'm looking at as well. Um, you know, it's it's going to be, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how how it all shakes out. I, one of the things that I thought was interesting, and, and this is not covered in the portion of the interview we, we published with Charles, but we also recorded a separate deal with Charles that's going to come out much later. We asked Charles, and we're going to ask a couple other tour pros that we know and caddies, a series of, um, of, of questions that – you know, people like us tend to ponder, sometimes overthink around stats or, you know, predicting golf. And one of the ones we talked about was putting surfaces. And one of the things that Charles said is that bent putting surfaces, which is what you have in, at Augusta, really tend to kind of, if you have the great putters over here and the, the really crappy putters over here and, the, and the, the margin is wide, that bent grass greens as pure as Augusta National tend to narrow that, that gap a little bit. So it, it kind of, it, it makes the great putters not necessarily have as much of an edge over the really sorry putters because bent is pure. Um, you don't have to worry about reading a ton of grain like you do in Bermuda. You don't have to be as comfortable uh, with some of the, the weird variability of a POA. Um, they're just pure. You know, they, 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 they're pure. Now, Augusta National's bent grass greens, having caddied there for two years myself, I can tell you that there are still some weird things about those bent grass greens. They do things that you know, they shouldn't do, they break, you know, they, they, they break uphill or they, you know, uh, they break left when they, you swear they're going to break right. A lot of that is due to the layout of the golf course, not necessarily the grass, but there are some intricacy things to know. But if you got a guy who's got some experience at Augusta, but over time he's been a really sucky bent grass putter, but he's got an okay experience at Augusta. I don't care. Like I'm good with that. I got, I'm not going to throw him out because he's a terrible bent grass putter. So I, I do think I wanted to make that distinction as it comes to bent grass. Yeah, I agree with you. And I thought that was an interesting thing that, that Charles talked about um, when we did that recording was, was that, you know, it does kind of bring, and it makes sense though, if you got these pure greens that, yeah. you know, are just, you're not going to get these crazy bounces like you get with POA or certain kind of graininess like you get with the Bermuda. I mean, it does make sense, but, um, but I still want to see, you know, the guys that at least have shown some long-term form on bent grass. But I'm, you're right. I'm not going to throw out a guy just because I may not see that. Yeah. 
All right. Well, of course, we're here to talk about DraftKings, and we got to let everybody know that DraftKings has the Millie Maker this week, the $1 million top prize. Uh, they've got a couple of them, actually, but the, the big one, the $20 entry, million dollar uh, top prize contest on DraftKings is where you need to be. And they're the leader in daily fantasy action. And they've been the leader in golf daily fantasy for since they started. We, we absolutely love it. It's easy. You just pick your six golfers, stay under the salary cap, submit your lineup before the tournament tees off on Thursday, sit back, follow the action. And obviously, you know, the more red numbers on the leaderboard, the closer you are to winning some green and having that green screen disease. You can rack up points for pars, birdies, finish position, and more. And even though you can't, you know, you can't hit the course, DraftKings is giving you a chance to scratch the competitive itch and do your thing. So download the DraftKings app now and use code TOURJUNKIES during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you into action with a free shot at a $1 million top prize. That's code TOURJUNKIES, and you can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize only at DraftKings. The minimum is a $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Of course, that's where we go, man. That's where we play all of our DFS as DraftKings. Love those guys over there. They take good care of us. And uh, it's, a, it's the best user experience, fan experience for golf. Uh, and the Millie Maker is, uh, is the biggest contest in golf. So you get a free entry, give it a shot. I don't know if I've ever heard, I don't know if I've ever, if we've ever had a Millie Maker winner off of a free entry. You could be the first one. So promo code yeah. Tour Junkies. Let's do it, Pat. Let's get into this. All right. If you're used to listening to the Tour Junkies on a regular basis, when we do our DFS show, we do it on a Monday, Monday night. We're early here, right? And there's a ton of master's content to come out, not just from us, but from people all over the industry. The difference that we're going to have this week is we are not going to necessarily nail down our GPP or tournament place. It's too early. And if ownership leverage, which we just talked about, is the most important factor to, to banking a big GPP, then we'd be fools to like lock in GPP picks right now because it's gonna, we don't know who's chalky, who's not. We have guesses. We're going to talk about it. But in every range, the 9K and above, the 8K range, the 7K range, and the 6K range on DraftKings, we're going to give you a cash play because we do think, you know, we can give you that regardless of ownership. We're going to give you a guy that we want to avoid, a fade. Um, and then we're going to talk through guys we think are going to be chalk in these areas and plays that we're looking at in GPPs and tournaments. But here's the deal. We got a lot of content coming out, okay? On Monday you're probably going to see most of the tour junkies articles that come out every week. They're going to start to go up. You're going to have my betting card. You're going to have the 20 key facts and stats that you need to know that are nails from Ben little. You're going to have the fantasy golf sommelier that Pat's working on by Monday or Tuesday. Good article. I'm going to have the pivot point come Wednesday or maybe Tuesday night or Wednesday where we look at two big names that are chalky and two names around there that I think you need to, pivot to in DFS. Um, we're going to have an amazing nut hut conversation member chat on Wednesday night. And we're probably going to do some live stuff on Wednesday. It may just be me. Don't know if Pat's going to be in it or not, but we'll, we'll see what we can do. Going to do some live Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, listener questions, whatever. But all this stuff will start to take shape and we'll start to better understand who the chalk is going to be come Wednesday, Wednesday night before lineup lock. So that's how this is going to look a little different than your normal weeks. All right, Pat, you ready to get into this? Yeah, let's go. Nine can above range. Let's start it with the betting favorites, the thick golfer of the year, Bryson douche Lord DeChambeau. Um, I got to be honest, when the pricing came out, 
and he was at 11-2. I was, I was a little surprised. I thought he'd be a little – I thought he would be a little higher, honestly. Now, we do know that DraftKings typically during weeks like this where it's, there's a lot of new money, a lot of public money that don't play golf a lot coming in, they tend to soften the pricing a little bit. But I expected him to be in that 11-5 range, 11-6. So I, I think you're getting a little discount on Bryson. Uh, but what are we going to do with him, man? I mean, obviously what he's doing right now is no secret. Um, won the U.S. Open handily on a very difficult golf course. Um, but, you know, this will be his fourth Masters as a, uh, as a professional, I believe. Best finish was a T21. You know, last year finished T29 after having a first-round lead. Uh, finished T38 the year before that. What are we going to do? What, what do you think? I do think Bryson's going to be chalky. I think he could be 30%. I, I, I really believe he could get up over that. He is one of these guys. I, I'll tell you, in this range, I think Bryson and DJ are probably the two most chalky players. Due to DJ's price is very, very good at 10K. Um, I think Xander is going to – I think those three are your automatic chalk up here. And I also think Bubba Watson has a chance to be pretty chalky. At 9K, considering how good he's playing, two-time Masters champ, I think those are the four names that I look, at, I look here and go, okay, th there's your chalk. But I think Bryson is, your, is the chalkiest. So I think the first decision that most people are going to want to know or are going to have to think through in building lineups is, am I playing Bryson or am I not? And I think it should be – you, you play Bryson, you go hard in the paint. If he's 30% owned, projected on Wednesday night, I think you play him at 60%, 50% in your lineups. You know, if you're doing 10 lineups, you put him in five. Uh, I think you go overweight on the field or you completely fade. You play him in zero. What do you think? Well, I, I think you're right. I think those are, that is what you do. And for me, um, I'm going to have some Bryson ownership. I just think there's no way I'm not going to. Um, okay, so but, that means you're, are you going to double the – But I'm gonna not going to – I think I'm, I will play a little bit of him, but I, the gambler part of me – Why would you play a little bit? Why would you, why would you play less than what he's owned? I just – That doesn't make sense. Because I want to have like a little, a little teeny piece of ownership, just a little teeny piece. But in, in the long run, for most of my lineups, I want to fade him. I do, because I don't think – I have this feeling that he's going he's gonna to totally blow up when everybody thinks he's a favorite. He actually doesn't have great course history here when you consider what he's done. I mean, he's, his best finish is 21st. I just said that. Match. You checked out. You checked out. You've already checked out. We're one name into the thing, and you've already checked out. <laughs> well, one I was, name. I was, I, was trying to, I was trying to think about how I was going to react to what you were saying, but I do think you can have a small piece and still be a fader of, of Bryson. I don't necessarily think you just go all in 0% or all in 100% or not 100% or 50 or 60%. You can have a little small piece if you want. I just don't think that's the, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think that's I don't think it's right an all or nothing deal. Here. I think that's too, I think that's, I don't think it's cut, that cut and dry. That it's Let me ask you nothing. a question. What do you think, what do you think I'm going to do? I think you're going to go all in, like you're going to go 50 or 60% ownership as well because i think you're taking you're going to take and i think you should do this you take out your personal feelings about somebody if you didn't like patrick reed the year he won you screwed yourself just i had you didn't patrick like reed patrick that reed. year we hit him we hit him at yeah. 50 to one 
So, um, okay. I mean, you can't just not take a guy because you don't like him. So, I yeah. think your your narrative has been, and you've been on these rants for weeks and weeks and weeks about Bryson DeChambeau. Your whole narrative for this week is going to be, I'm going all in on Bryson DeChambeau in my line. So, that's just the way I think you're going to do. But for me, I want to gamble a little bit, and I want to go the other way. Because if he's going to take all that ownership, then somebody in this range, there's going to be a gap. You're going to be able to find somebody in this range that's going to be able to, to really hit if you happen to fade Bryson and he plays like crap, or maybe he makes the cut but only finishes like T30 or something like that. So I think because of all that, that's the main reason I really want to fade him is that I'm going to find a gap somewhere in here in this 9K range, whether it's a guy like John Rahm, who is not being talked about at all, really. I want to, I'm interested to see what his ownership's going to be, like a Rory who hasn't been in good form. You know, those, you know, Brooks, those are guys right there that are all probably going to get lower ownership than they typically would because Bryson's going to take all that, some of that ownership his way. So that's the way I'm, I'm kind of thinking about it right now as we sit here on Saturday. Okay, you're right. I, 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 am, I am trying to take the emotional side of hating Bryson out of it, and I, I don't want to see Bryson – win a green jacket I just don't um if I end up going with Bryson I will say I'm, I'm an undecided voter right now on Bryson I if I had to decide today I'm gonna go overweight and play him um and I think overweight is a fitting term for Bryson the uh and if he were 30 30 percent or more I would I would almost double it and play and play that I'm not betting him because I don't bet outrights that short. I don't bet favorites in golf. I'm not going to bet him. No. If you're playing like pool play or something, you're, you're picking out of columns and you're doing a big, you're doing a big pool somewhere. You know, I might fade him there, but in DFS, the, the scoring I think is going to be key because I mean, I got a text from a local Augusta boy um, pretty close to a couple members at Augusta that uh, Bryson played – we know Bryson played Augusta a couple weeks ago. He was here. He hit a gap wedge into 13. He hit six iron into number two. He hit a gap wedge into 18, and he drove the green on three with less than driver. That uh, was the story from the other week. And, now, you know, you're going to hear stuff like that. We've been talking about Bryson breaking Augusta for a couple months now. But when I think about the, the possibility of Bryson having, you know – at the longest, a six iron into all of these par fives. That is that is a lot of strokes that he's going to have to bleed somewhere else to not make up the value in DraftKings that rewards birdies and eagles. So I think you know if he finishes, I think if he finishes tenth, he's still going to be a top five DK point scorer. I think he's going to be in a winning in the winning lineup of a lot of GPPs, even if he doesn't win because he's going to score so many points. Um, so that I think if I'm going to play him, the, if I'm going to do anything with Bryson, it's going to be play him in DFS because I'm not going to bet him or do anything else. So I, I think I want to have him. I, I lean that way right now. I mean, but can't, I mean, can't Rory have some of those numbers into the pins? Can't DJ have some of those numbers? Can't Brooks have some of those numbers? I, I mean, know that I, we've I seen Rory, DJ, and Brooks with gap wedge into 13. I, I just don't think we've seen that. I, I don't think we've. I don't think we've seen that. I mean, they could. I don't could. see how he's going to have gap wedge in the 13. I really don't. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm just – the speculation is all over the place for sure. You know, maybe I mean, we'll, the T's being back where they are, you can't cut the corner anymore on 13. They, they, I mean, if you get back on that T, 
that it's so far back there with the tree line on your left, you can't cut the yeah. corner unless you unless you can move the ball like a. What are you going to do if he cuts the corner? <laughs> what I'll, are you prepared to do if he cuts the corner this week? Because I, I don't. A, if if he cuts the corner, I will eat my master's course breakdown. This piece of paper. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean that's 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 what I, I'll do yeah. that on the next show. I will I will abs I will eat this thing now, not whole. I might cut it up into bits and eat it throughout the show. Okay. Maybe put it in my beer or something. Okay. But I will eat the course breakdown. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think Bryson's gonna. I, I think it's gonna. Something's gonna. I think he's gonna do a lot of what people have talked about him doing. I don't think this is going to be fake news. So there you go. All right. I'm not saying it's um, fake. All fake news. I'm just. I'm giving you one example of something I don't think is going to happen. Okay. Other names. I have a fade in here uh, that that I feel pretty confident about, and probably would still fade despite ownership. And that's the young guy, the first timer, Colin Morikawa. I I'm going to fade the young man despite him winning the PGA Championship just a, a couple months ago. Doesn't check a lot of boxes off the tee. I mean, he's accurate. He's very accurate for sure. He's not a long hitter by any means. He's 57th in this field over the last 24 rounds in driving distance. Um, and this is, this is a short field, and he's 57th. Doesn't really eat up the par fives too well either. He's in the probably bottom half of par five scoring or bottom 40% par five scoring here as well. And just the, you know, his form is still very interesting. Morikawa is a tough cookie. I mean, he wins the work day uh, on a tough – well, Jack's place, but it was a little little easier at that, at that point. Wins the work day, wins the PGA, um, sixth at the Tour Championship. But, but then he's like, you know, miscut at the Travelers, miscut at the Northern Trust, miscut at the U.S. Open, missed the cut at the Shriners, you know, 50th at the Zozo. Like, what are we doing with Colin Morikawa? It's just a little – I can't quite nail him down. It's the, the putter kind of gives him troubles from time to time, and it seems tough to predict when, it, when the putter is going to work and when it's not. Uh, so for the first-timer, I think he's an easy fade for me at 9,500. There are a lot of first-timers in this field, and most of them, all of them, a way better value than Colin Morikawa at 9,500. So from a value standpoint and, and just you know upside standpoint, and I think has a low floor for a lot of first timers. Like who would you who would you rather bet your life on to make the cut as a first timer in this field in these conditions right now? Matt Wolf, Sung JM, or Colin Morikawa? And for me, I would take him and Matt Wolf over over Morikawa to make the cut um, pretty much every time. So that, that's I would my fate. agree. I would I would agree to that. Although I love how he hits his irons, which is great iron player. Yeah. I mean which is I mean you got to it's hard to go against that but I, I'm not I don't hate that play I actually will fade as we sit here on Saturday right below him at 9400 Terrell Hatton yes mm, I know he's in, coming in great, he's coming in in great form I get it I get it I hear you matter of fact I think when he was like 50 or 60 to one a few weeks ago maybe a month ago I may I may have already put a bet on him. I don't know and so I probably have Hatton shares out there as far as bets are concerned but as far as DFS I think I'm going to fade him. Doesn't have very good course history here. His best finish is T44 back in 2018. Um, so I, I think despite the form, and we'll see where his ownership is, Hatton right now looks like a fade candidate for me. Oh, 
Pat, before we talk about our cash plays in this range and other tournament plays, I forgot. We're doing a master's contest. We do one every year. Master's contest. Bow, 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 big flashing lights and all that stuff. Woo! Master's contest this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. We, um, so we have access to the master's online patron shop. And we've already done some shopping. We're excited, okay? We bought some Masters t-shirts. They, they say uh, Masters 2020, Augusta National Golf Club on them. We bought some Masters pin flags. And we also have bought a couple of tailor-made Tour Spider putters. A couple of those. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to put it on the screen here. This is a real hack job here. Uh, a couple of these bad boys, these hitters. We, we've bought some of those. We want to give away two of these prize packs where you get a t-shirt, you get a 2020 Masters pin flag, 2020 Masters t-shirt, and your very own tailor-made black spider uh, tour putter. So we're going to give away two sets of those. Here's how you do it. All you got to do is become an annual member in the Nut Hut. Now, the Nut Hut is our online tour junkies member chat room. Um, it's over on Discord. It's fantastic. It's 24-7 Discord chat uh, where, you know, we talk about PGA DFS and, and betting on golf and all that, you know, golf DFS, golf betting, all that kind of stuff. We've had the Nut Hut open since, I think, late February. It's been incredible. Since the restart in January, over $3 million have been won by Nut Hut members. We had a Nut Hut member, Matthew Moore, won the Millie Maker. I believe it was at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Won a yeah. million dollars in one week on DraftKings. Nut Hut member, super smart guy. We have so many smart players, sharp betters in the Nut Hut right now, and it's a great place that we go and share information. We have a lot of laughs. It's a lot of fun. Somebody is in there chatting it up 24-7 in the Discord channel. Here's how you join. You go to tourjunkies.com. You click on Golby's Nut Hut, Okay. You'll see the sign up there. Now, we're giving these away to anyone who, has, who is already a $90 a year annual member, or you sign up for a brand new annual membership, $90 a year. That's it, 90 bucks a year, and you're, you're a member for the year. Or if you're currently a monthly member at $10 a month and you up your subscription to $90 a year, we will put all of those names in a hat and we will draw live on Thursday or Friday and pick two winners to win the t-shirt, the flag, and the putter. So to win those things, again, sign up for the, for the Nut Hut membership. Now, along with the Nut Hut membership, this is like, we're losing money here. Along with the Nut Hut membership and the access to the chat, you get 20% off of anything that you buy in the Tour Junkie shop for as long as you're a member. 20% off your whole order for as long as you're a member. Um, all kind of stuff. You get first access to events that we do. You get extra... Um, promo codes for, for sponsored companies and things like that to give you a little extra discount. It's awesome. I love the community here. It's been fantastic and we're, we're pumped about it and we want more annual members. We want to know that people are going to lock in. So get that annual membership right now, get it before they tee off on Thursday. We're going to have a drawing and you could also, along with all of that, win yourself a 2020 master's t-shirt flag and a tailor-made putter. So go sign up right now on tourjunkies.com. Click on Golby's Nut Hut and sign up and join us in the Discord chat. We'll be doing that live chat on Wednesday night. Okay, live chat Wednesday night for a couple hours. Me, Pat, Chalk Bomb, Ben. It's going to be hot. It's going to be possibly drunk, um, a drunk conversation, but it's going to be a lot of fun. 
And every week we get caddy info, um, player info from the course, and we only share it exclusively in the Nut Hut. So there you go. That's my Nut Hut plug. Pat, let's get back into this. I had to, I had to get that out of the way. I forgot about it. Um, good stuff. That's a good package right there. I want that Any package. more? Okay, cash plays. My cash play in here, cash lock in the top tier is Xander. Love the way Xander's playing. Um, you know, runner-up at the Masters last year. Good putter on bent grass. Eats up par fives. And his form right now is pretty good with a runner-up at the CJ Cup, runner-up at Eastlake, fifth place at the U.S. Open. Loving Xander. And the value at 9,800 is just too good. Now, also love Xander in tournaments, but I do think, like I said, I think Bryson, DJ, and Xander are your chalkiest plays uh, in this range. But I would play him in cash for sure. I'd lock him in and start start my lineups with Xander in cash. Yeah, I love Xander this week. I think if you're if you're going to bet as well, he's one of the shortest guys that I like. Um, if I'm looking at cash, though, I, I think, and Charles mentioned this guy, and he's not one of the longest players on tour, but Webb Simpson, I like him at 9,300. Hmm. Look. He's played solid here. You know, he was T5 last year, T20 yep. back in 2018. You know, he's just – the way he's played lately, though, he's been so good, especially, you know, when you look at just his his iron play, everything else. I mean, the guy is just, uh, just, just a solid, solid player. And so if you're looking for just that kind of cash lock, you're saving yourself some money by getting him down there at 9,300. In this over 9K range, I think Webb is a good cash play. So even though he – he could have some chalk. I don't even know. He could be GPP play as well. So, yeah, actually. So, in terms of GPP plays, let's let's get to there. Any other guys that are popping for us? Webb was one I kind of wrote down. You mentioned Charles mentioned him. He does have a pretty good record here, despite not being one of the longest guys out there. But Webb's added some length over the last few years, so he's not like he's short. He's mm. not short anymore. He's just not. Um, but he's just such a good ball striker in the short game, as Charles mentioned, is absolutely tremendous. Yeah, I think a name up top that you're probably looking at um, is Rory. Uh, it feels like Rory is going to be one up here that's not going to be looked at a whole lot. You know, I think I think Bryson, DJ are, are going to go one and two. JT um, and Xander are going to kind of be three, four. And then I feel like Rom you know, is going to be five. And I feel like Rory is going to be like Rory and Brooks are going to be the two guys up here that I, I think are going to get overlooked a little bit. And, you know, we know Charles loves Rory. He mentioned that, but you know, his, his irons haven't been fantastic, but off the tee, there's just not many better still than Rory McIlroy. And obviously the form at Augusta is pretty impeccable. Now last year, one of his worst years in a long time, finished T21 at Augusta, but 10 2 the price tag for Rory is good. You know, you got to hope he eats up on the par fives like he normally does. I think he's one I'm going to watch for sure in terms of tournaments. Patrick Cantlay is another one uh, who, you know, if you remember, had the lead at one point late. I think after after he played 16 on Sunday last year, had the lead, ended up finishing ninth. Um, but, you know, we just saw him win last week or a couple weeks ago with the Zozo. Um, so the form kind of coming around. He, he fits all those trends that we talked about earlier in the uh, in the show. Putts best on bent grass. Uh, you know, I think I think Cantlay's one to watch. And then for me, Reed. I mean, Reed is always going to be a guy that I look at at the Masters. I I, I picked him the year he won, but he, he just plays so well here. It, the short game is is impeccable. Um, the you know he does well on par fives. He's second in this field 
Can you believe that? Like he's 43rd in driving distance in this field over the last 24 rounds, but he's second in par five scoring uh, in this entire field. So I think Reed is one to watch at 9,200 for sure. Uh, and then finally, I'm going to keep a little, I'm going to keep an eye out on Tiger because I think a lot of people are going to fade Tiger. The form has not been great. Uh, the drivers let him down. His irons have actually still been pretty good. Over the last 24 rounds, he's still 21st in the field in strokes gained approach. So the irons have, have still been pretty good. It's really been the driver. Uh, the short game hasn't been great. That, that's what's kind of let him down. But coming off the defending champion, uh, the, the defending champ here at, at Augusta National for the Masters this year, listen, I, I just – the, the value down here at 9,100, the, the edge that Tiger has, the knowledge that he has about a, a, around Augusta is too good for me to pass up. If he's, you know, 7 8% owned in some of these contests. Now, he's obviously going to be chalkier in the Millie Maker. It's a more public contest. But for, like, your high-dollar single-entry contest, stuff like that, I could see him being sub 7 8%, and I think that's interesting. I think that's a, a time where I'm going to start kind of looking at Tiger. So that's it for me. Yeah, well, we can – you know, if, if we need to, I can add Bubba and we could successfully have mentioned every name in here. But I mean, well, I mean, every name in not, here is worth a conversation, but that's know. what I agree. I agree. We're not like, you know, hammering down our, our, our go to's here. But, um, but I did mention Bubba, so I'm going to mention I, I like Bubba. I mean, he's in good form, finished T4 at the Zozo, T7 at the CJ Cup. He's going to have lower ownership this week, I believe, at 9,000. I don't, I think, um, you know, with just the way he's played this course, we obviously know he's got a great history here with two wins. I like I like Bubba going into this week, and I, I think it'll be he'll be an interesting GPP play. Um, I was with you though on Reed. I thought that was uh, I thought I was gonna you were, you're gonna kind of skip over him, and I was gonna get to talk about him. But other than that, I mean, you know, again, we'll just have to see where ownership is. But um, I still think you got to look at Ron. I really do. Okay. Hey, speaking of Reed and Bryson, we asked for some listener voicemails, and we got a couple we're going to share on the show today. Going to get into the first one right here. This is real quick. Our boy Stevie T. I don't know who he is, but he goes by Stevie T. Sounds like it could be a potential drug dealer, um, something like that. Anyway, Stevie T has a question, of, you know, kind of a hypothetical, if you will, for me and you, Pat, that involves Patrick Reed and Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, so let's take a quick listen to, to Stevie T, see what he's got to say. What's up, fellas? It's your boy, Stevie T. How much would somebody have to pay you um, if Bryson or Patrick Reed were leading the Masters on a Sunday on 12 or 16, right before they hit the ball, to yell shank? Shank! How much money would somebody have to pay you? Or yell something like, you know, to Bryson, Big muscles, needle dick, or Patrick Reed, you know, uh, Justine looks like a man, or, you know, something like that. How much money would somebody have to pay you to do that? Thanks, fellas. Have a, uh, have a good week at the Masters, and hope you get some green screens. Okay, there you go. So, so Stevie T wants to know, um, what amount of money we would have to be paid, Pat, if on a Sunday, late on a Sunday, We'd, we would yell something as, like, I, I envision Bryson or Reed top of the backswing or, like, yeah, probably like a nearing the top of the backswing, you yell. And, you know, his examples were Shank or um, Needle Dick Bryson or I thought this one was funny, Justine looks like a man to Patrick Reed. Uh, 
Um, how much money would we have to be paid to do that? I'll, I'll start with you. Okay, well, that depends on some circumstances here. All right, so I need to know like whose badges do I have? Okay, do I have do I have a family member's badge, or do I have just some random one that I bought? Because if I have some random one that I bought, I'm more likely to do it for less money. You're gonna stick it to that person. Yeah. If I have, I'm sorry to that person, whoever it is. Yeah. But let's just say I have a family badge. You're gonna have to get into the three to four million range. Three to four million. Come yeah. on. Because I know, on, like, That's for, not... my, for my for my dad, I know how much those badges mean to him. I'm going to need to at least provide some money for him to be able to buy badges every year, so that he has them, and then to make them comfortably safe in retirement. So a lot of that money is going to have to go to my dad, and then on top of it, you know, because you're going to get like it's going to be years, or I may never be able to get into the Masters ever again. So you're going to have to pay me like right now a pretty good chunk of change to do something like that down the stretch on Sunday. That that's just that's just the way I think about it. I envision this happening this way. You are going to get immediately escorted out of there. You are going to get your picture taken. Um and you are going to you know, now you are going to need to have had a lot of alcohol before this and you're going to need to have a stack of green cups in your hand. You're going to have to have that green hand disease, you know, so that you can, you can at minimum just say, listen, I'm sorry. I was drunk. I, you know, this wasn't something premeditated. I was drunk. I, I'm, I'm a terrible person. Please forgive me. And maybe the Augusta national bans you for like 10 years, you know, and your picture That's somewhere. Like best case scenario. <laughs> That's best case scenario. They may ban you for life. And at that point you got to get real creative if you ever want to go back in there. Um, that's what you risk. If it's your family's badges or some stranger's badges, it doesn't matter. You still have to plan whenever you accept whatever dollar amount you're willing to accept, you have to plan on paying off that side. I mean, you know, if you bought somebody's off the street, you're going to have to plan on giving them, they're going to sue you. They're going to take you to court. They're going to sue you. So you got to have money for that. Number one. And I, and I know scenarios where this has happened, not, not where people have yelled something like that, where, but where someone gave a badge to a friend or, or sold it to somebody and they got kicked out and they lost badges, then they turn around and sue them. So you got you to gotta plan for that for sure. But I have a hard time, Pat, saying three or four million dollars. You have to think about this. If I presented to you right now a bag of money, a million dollars, just one million dollars, and, and you, you'd have to give your dad, you know, if you, if you, your dad's old. I mean, I, your dad's an old man. Like, and when he dies, it's not like those badges get to stay in the family. They're gone. So the clock is ticking on how many masters, you know, you guys got left, right? Well, that's not true. That's not true. When, when he dies, they go to my mom. So. There's, okay. There's... Well, I mean, she's not a spring chicken. I love her. Miss Marie, she's a <laughs> lovely lady, but she's no spring. Ch We're not talking about your parents in your forties or fifties here that are going to be you know, going to the Masters for another 30 years. We could still years. be talking 10 or 15 more years, which Masters yeah. tickets, let's, let's start running some numbers. They cost, two tickets could cost, like, with inflation, 10 grand in the next few years. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're at least at a bottom level of a million dollars. I think that's the floor. That's like my so, floor asking price. So, I don't have the privileged family badges situation to run up against. So, basically, all I'm worried about is paying off whoever sues me for this, which is probably going to be a couple hundred grand. I think I would do it. I think I could do it for a cool million. If you gave me a million dollars, I'd do it. Yeah. 
And I would definitely choose to go with something around Bryson. I don't know if it'd be needle dick, but I, I would, I would rather say something to Bryson. I hate him more. Here's so. what we've learned from this whole discussion is that if you're going to ask somebody to do this under this scenario, do not ask anybody that's from Augusta that has ties to Augusta <laughs> yeah. that yeah. knows what it's like in Augusta. Yeah. Ask somebody who's, who's only going to go there once and doesn't even care and will do it, you know, on Sunday. And then, you know, you're, you can probably get it for a whole, you can get it for a lot cheaper if you do it that way. It would be a lot of fun to, if I were like a super wealthy person, like just bajillionaire person, it'd be a lot of fun to like seriously try to make this happen. Like go find somebody that would do this for whatever amount of money and just go watch it happen and, and know that you did that. That'd be pretty fun. Anyway, good question, Stevie T. Thanks for the listener voicemail. This is a gentleman's game, Stevie. <laughs> All right, talk about the 8K range, Pat. I'll let you kind of start here. Who do you think uh, – who's your fade, cash play? Let's start with those. All right, well, I'll start with cash, and this is a guy that I know that you're probably going to love as well, and that's Hideki. I think hey. the price Hideki. is – you know, when you get in a field like this for the Masters, you're going to have some guys that are going to be in this 8K range that you think should be in the 9K range, but they, they just they can't all be in the 9K range. Yeah. And um, I think Hideki makes a whole lot of sense here. Um, you know, he's been in decent form. But you look at, I mean, the history here has been, you know, pretty good. You know, he's made his last five straight cuts. He had three straight top 15 finishes up to 2017. Um, 19th and 18 in 2018, and then T32 last year has gained over 36 strokes over the last five years. So I think that Hideki makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I'll play him in cash. I'll probably play him in GPPs. I like him in both. Um, so Hideki would be a guy that I'll talk about as far as a cash play is concerned. As far as a fade for me, I think Jordan's the easy fade, so I'm not even going to talk about him. Actually, I'm shocked that he's even in the 8K range. I guess they're giving a whole lot of cre credit for the course history. Yeah. Um, but outside Poor of that. Poor Jordan. And how about – I mean, this week at Houston, he comes out, he's like three under through the first nine holes or so, and you're like, oh, wow, here he is. And then he just bombs, misses the cut by one. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. Um, I think originally I would have thought about having Adam Scott as a fade. But the way we've kind of seen him play this past week. Um, Playing good right now, yeah. He just hasn't played a whole lot since the restart, no. so we don't know a whole lot about him. So I do think you could get some good ownership leverage with him. And so if I'm going to pinpoint a fade candidate outside of Jordan Spieth for me, and as much as this pains me to say, it's going to be Mr. Hare, beautiful Hare, Tommy Fleetwood. <laughs> Mr. Hare? <laughs> Mr. Hare. What's his nickname? Uh, what? He, doesn't he have a nickname with his hair? Flocks of hair. I always think he looks like a cocker spaniel, but I don't know. Flock of I don't know seagulls. What he has a... You ever yeah. heard of flock of seagulls? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Fleetwood at eighty six hundred, just not a, a huge fan. We haven't seen him play all that great lately. Doesn't have a form's pretty bad. Here. So I am. I, I'll I'll say Fleetwood. Okay. Here you go. Uh, well, I took the easy route with the Spieth fade. I just I think you're you're a sucker if you want to play if you want to play Spieth. Um, don't care about his history here. You just got to be in better form than what he is right now. He's not gonna. I, I don't see it. But um, I guess a little more bold fade for me. I'll, I'll give this out. Is is and I don't even know how bold this is. Is Jason Day? Um, and and Day's playing good right now in Houston. 
But, I mean, we saw him withdraw a few weeks ago at the CJ Cup, back injury or neck injury again. I think the thing with Jason Day is you're never going to know when it's going to pop up. You're just not. And it could be fine one week and bad the next, then fine the next. I think it's just his issues are, are his issues. And they seem to be unpredictable and very variable week to week. So it doesn't feel like the safest play. And I'm sure he's going to be lower owned, which I don't know. Maybe there's your leverage. But obviously a great record at Augusta. Hits a long way. Great putter. Great short game. Um, but he's not checking a lot of boxes recently. The form is not great. You know, 60th at the Zozo, miscut at the Shriners, 38th at the U.S. Open, 64th at the BMW. Now, he does look like, as of now, he might turn in a decent finish at Houston. But um, so maybe if he finds a little something this week, I think that's fine. But it still feels like a risk considering he just withdrew from a tournament, his, you know, two tournaments ago for him. I feel like that's kind of a risk. My cash play is Tony Finau. I freaking love Tony Finau this week and in this in this event. I've already bet on him. He's, he was at 25 to 1. I've already put a bet down on him there. I, I think um, – and listen, people can say you're crazy for thinking Tony Finau's got win equity, and I know he hasn't won. I know he hasn't done it. And he has had so many chances. And he has looked pretty weak on a Sunday. But I think the more of those he has, the more scar tissue he builds up. You know, he may not be a killer mentality. He may not have that, like, killer – Patrick Reed kind of mentality, but there are plenty of guys on the PJ tour that don't and still win. And I think Tony Finau is good enough to win the masters. I think he has the perfect course profile or course fit. His game is perfect for Augusta. He's proven that already. in just a couple of times out, he's finished 10th and fifth, you know, two times he's played the masters and he finished 10th and fifth. So, um, you know, I, I, I love Finau here. Um, I, I really do. And he's also playing well in Houston right now. So my favorite plays in this range are going to be Finau and Hideki. You knew Hideki was coming. Those are my favorite plays in, in tournaments. I do think Hideki is going to be your lower-owned player out of those two. Uh, but I think both are going to come in at decently high ownerships. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't argue with Hideki's record here for sure and the ball striking. It feels like the floor is good for him. Um, and I think your potential chalk plays here are going to be Finau, Decky, and Adam Scott. I think Adam Scott's going to be bumped up in ownership after this week if he continues to do well in Houston and people see that. Uh, I think that's going to that's gonna be what happens with, with old Adam Scott. But my favorite plays in this range are for sure Finau and Decky. Anybody else you want to mention? No, I don't. I, I, I like the Finau play. I, I think I can't really argue with you there. So, um, you know. It's a okay. uh, interesting range. There's not a whole lot of guys here. So, um, yeah, you could kind of just plant your flag on one or two and be done with it. Yeah, I, I, there, there's going to be plenty of opportunity for leverage in here, though. That's for sure. I mean, I think Paul Casey, Spieth, um, Day, Garcia, Wolf as a first-timer, maybe. Fleetwood's going to be low. And there's definitely going to be some guys in here that come Wednesday night, you're going to be looking at going, well, you know, they're, they're – they're low owned. They're 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 gonna they're projected to be really low owned. Nobody's talking about them, and I think in that scenario, you kind of if that scenario if that scenario were here, I would lean guys like Paul Casey. Um, I would lean Sergio. Um, those are kind of some names. If I were just really trying to get some low ownership out of out of this particular price range, come Wednesday night, if if those guys do in fact, project to be low-owned. Those are kind of some names I'd look at. But I'm avoiding Jordan Spieth no matter what. Probably going to avoid Tommy Fleetwood no matter what. 
Um, and it's going to take a lot for me to play Jason Day. I'm going to have to hear some press conferences from Jason Day about how good he feels, about how his, you know, his neck was one thing, but now he feels a little better. You know, I'm going to need something else out of him before I, before I hit him. So. See, I'm a little opposite of you on Jason Day. I think he's a, I think he's a, he's a pretty good, he could be a decent play and, you know, we'll see where the ownership is, but we've already seen, you know, just yesterday, if you were looking at sportsbooks odds, he was at 50 to one. He is down to 33 to one on the DraftKings sportsbook. So, you know, which is well, interesting because he's playing full disclosure. Well full disclosure, I bet him yesterday. You know that. Um, <laughs> I, I did bet him. So I, I, I guess, didn't mention that, but yeah, you, you know. Yeah. I, but but I guess my my thought process is, you know, we talked about how six of six lineups are going to be a major thing. Um, you're going to have more six of six lineups this week than you normally see, and. I just don't – I don't love the risk of him withdrawing or not feeling 100% and, like, having to gut it out. Um, I don't love that in DFS. I, I don't, I don't want to take that risk when there's already going to be so many 6-6 six six lineups. Um, I don't I – don't, if you have 5-6, you're done. I mean, you are done unless a ton of chalk bites the dust. So, in DFS, I, I don't want to play him for that reason. But if I – it's betting him at 50-1 to one and I want to throw, you know, 20 bucks on him or – 50 bucks on him and, and then that way if he comes out and wins i'm fine if he withdraws i'm out 20 bucks 50 like i don't care you know so yeah no i hear you um okay and i did that after seeing him play well at the houston yesterday you know on friday i, I was kind of like okay well maybe the form's coming around you know but we'll see but he's one of those that guys we know this like at the drop of a hat he's laying on the ground with vertigo or his his neck is killing him or god knows what so there's well, always that. It's a smart play too. When you look at him, you see him at a number of fifty to one. I could have told you, yeah, after you grabbed him at fifty to one on Friday, and what we saw his play like that he was going to be shorter on Saturday when the sports books woke up and changed their yeah. eyes. Yeah, I grabbed him like mid round Friday. Um, so, all right, let's talk the seven K range. A lot of lot of names here. A lot of decisions to be made. This is where you can really get some ownership leverage in your lineups in the seven K range. Um, all right, I'll start with my cash play is, who do you think? It's the first guy up there that I've been banging the drum for him since the restart. Louis Ustase in the South African. Love Louis at 7,900. Great record at Augusta National. Should have won the Masters the year Bubba won it the first time. So should be a green jacket holder, but just got, poof, Bubba just took it. Um, but great record here, you know, very familiar with Augusta and playing really, really well right now. Um, you know, third at the U.S. Open, 25th at the BMW at Olympia Fields. Those are tough courses. 13th at the Northern Trust. Those are tough courses. Um, I like the way – I like how he could play, uh, you know, Augusta National. He scores well on par fives, good short game. Love everything about Louie. Love him. And, and he's never really, like, super chalky. Uh, you know, people don't love playing him. Even even in this good run he's had, he's not really, he's not really been, he's not cracked. The U.S. Open was the highest. He was 18%. But he's been like 8%, 6%, 12%, 14% on, on average in terms of DFS. Um, that's where he's kind of been. So he's not super chalk. Maybe he is this week. I don't know. He, I, he has potential to be. But he's a cash play for me. I would play him in tournaments as well. And then my fade in this range is going to be Matt Fitzpatrick, who a lot of people like to play, but a lot of people ain't me. Um, got a decent record at Augusta. You know, makes cuts, decent record. I don't love the fact that um, 
this is going to play longer. It's going to play longer than normal. And, and it, you know, it already plays long, and it's going to play longer than normal with the soft fairways. He's 66th in this field in driving distance over the last 24 rounds. The approach play has been middling. You know, he hits a lot of fairways, which is good. Um, decent short game, but I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not seeing it with Fitzpatrick. He's another one similar to Morikawa, has like this boomer bust form. You know, where it's like, okay, here's his last few events, 26, 12. Those are both no-cut events. Missed cut at the U.S. Open. Coming off of a sixth-place finish at the BMW at Olympia Fields. But then right before the sixth-place finish at Olympia Fields, he missed the cut at the Northern Trust and missed the cut at the PGA Championship. But then right before he missed those two cuts, he finished sixth at the St. Jude and third at the Memorial. Like, it's just, he's going to miss cut or he's going to top 15. And um, I guess that makes him a good tournament play, potentially, but I want guys with higher floors given the amount of six of six lineups. So Fitzpatrick is my fade. What say you? I don't, I don't mind that. Um, I was with you on the season as far as the cash play. I just think that um, of all the people in here, um, if I'm looking at cash specific lineups, he's the one I'm going to go to and gravitate towards for all the reasons that you mentioned. Some of these other players that I do like, I think I'm, I'm not as comfortable. I don't, I don't have that warm, I'm on my home, you know, at my, my home on my bed feeling with some of these other guys that I am with Ustazen. So I think he will be a, a definite cash play. Um, for me, I'm fading Phil Mickelson. I, yeah. you know, yeah. I think the guys, he looks terrible. He's great. Right he has a great history here. He loves playing in Augusta. He doesn't have much time to win majors. And I think that people like to point to this one as one of those that he can win every year, regardless of how he's playing. And, his age and whatever else, but we've seen him just be terrible off the tee. I think he was last in the field in strokes gained off the tee, uh, missing the cut here at the Houston Open. Um, I just, I'm just not going to play. And maybe, maybe that's too easy. Maybe I'm, that's a cop out like you did with Jordan Spieth in the AK range. But uh, Mickelson yeah, for me okay. will, will certainly, certainly be a fade as well. If I'm looking at like just pinning down a good GPP play this week for me, and I'm looking near the top first timer and i think with 2020 being up here you know this this year as crazy it is as it is i think we could get a first time winner and that's scotty Scheffler. i like him. i think he's got the perfect game for this course um obviously he doesn't have a whole lot of experience here but um I, that i'm okay with that i think he can uh he can find it real quick um but look the guy's just playing lights out top you know near the top of the field in par five scoring off the tee you know, obviously checks the box and driving distance. So I think Scotty Scheffler could be a good play here as a GPP at 7,800. Ownership will be interesting for him because he's been kind of a hot name, uh, a guy that a lot of people have talked about the last, um, you know, few weeks. And I know he had the kind of COVID deal, but um, he's back now. So I like Scheffler near the bottom. And this is just a little bit of gut here, but Cam Smith, I think is an interesting play for me. Interesting. Like. Mm -hmm. Has, you know, he's always been a great scrambler, top 10 in par five scoring, checks the box and approach and scram. Oh, I mentioned scrambling already, but um, you know, I think, you know, and he's also a good putter traditionally on bent grass greens. I think he's interesting as well. So I will, uh, he's one of the guys that I just kind of had a, a little star by in here. Um, okay. Well, I think my favorite first-timer in this range, I'm going to get a little more value out of him, is at 7K, and that's Mr. Jason Kokrak. Mm. I'm, Kokrak I'm a fan just of that. Of, you know I am. Yeah. I want mean, some money you, off of him. 
you hit him at 80 to one just a couple of weeks ago when he won the CJ cup, um, kind of broke the seal for old co-crack. You know, I, I don't, obviously I don't think he's going to, he's going to win. Um, but I do think this is a year, you know, just cause we haven't seen first timers win. We've definitely seen first timers play great, you know, in top 10, top 15. I think Jason Kokrak is a guy that could top 10 this year. A patronless Masters benefits him. He's as confident as he's probably ever been. Um, if you look over the last 50 rounds, he, the only putting surface that he gains strokes on is bent. Okay. And that's always his bugaboo is gaining strokes on the putting greens. You know, if, if he could gain strokes on Bermuda and Poa, which you see more often as they, you know, on the PJ Tour, he'd have more than, than his one win. Um, but the bent grass greens are a thing that, that he is going to benefit from. And from a ball striking standpoint, you know, if, if you just took the – if you just looked at the ball striking stats over the last 24 rounds or since the restart, you know, if I only showed you the ball striking stats – it'd be, you would think um, you're looking at Dustin Johnson or maybe not Dustin, but like a Xander Schauffele or a Patrick Cantlay or it's actually better than Cantlay in that, in that area. I mean, he checks all the boxes. He's a bomber, scores on par fives. I love the value that you're going to get with Jason Kokrak at 7K. Um, love Louie. I already talked about that. I think a, a name to watch down here is Ian Poulter. He did withdraw from the Houston Open, and I did a little research. He did. He put out a video on Twitter that he was having some back issues. Just nothing major, um, but just cited, you know, the, the back wasn't ready, and he wanted to stay home, got a little more rest, got a little more physio, um, did some light work, trying to, you know, going ahead and getting ready for the Masters. He didn't sound awful. Um, it, didn't, it didn't sound like it's just a no-go, but I think it's something to pay attention to. Poulter has a great record at Augusta, always plays well at Augusta. For a 7K guy that you need to get through and make the cut, you know, he's a name to watch. Um, you know, listen to the press conferences, kind of watch him. on. He's very active on social media, so he'll probably, you know, tip you one way or the other on whether to, you know, whether he feels like he's good enough to play. Uh, but I think 7K value is there for him. Um, I think despite a bad performance at Houston, Lee Westwood is somebody I'm interested in watching. He's been playing really, really well, both on the European tour and the PGA tour. Um, and his record at Augusta is phenomenal. So I think Westwood's one to watch at 7,200. And then uh, I, I like Justin Rose at 7,700. I think I want to take a gamble on Justin Rose. Incredible record at Augusta with a couple runner-ups, even in the last five years. He did miss the cut last year, which tanked a lot of people. And and the the recent form's been spotty as he's continued to work through equipment issues and changes and all the stuff that's going on. But he's as experienced as they come at Augusta. He's got an experienced caddy on the bag that's had many loops at Augusta. He knows this place uh, really, really well. Still checks a lot of boxes in terms of par five scoring, distance. Um, it's just you know, which Justin Rose are we going to get? Are we going to get, you know, T25 at the Northern Trust, T17 at the Zozo of recent, or are we going to get miscut at the Wyndham, Justin Rose? You know, I don't, I don't know. So I think there's – but I think that's priced in. I think his ownership's going to be a little low because of it. But talk about a guy who could, if he's on, could win this thing and has nearly won this thing. Down in this range, I think Justin Rose is that guy. Yeah, I don't mind Rose. I think he's kind of one of those guys that you just look at and want to take a little bit of a gamble on and yeah. has a tremendous upside. So I, I'm, I'm okay with that.
All right, Pat, let's get down into the 6K range here. Talk through some names. We do have, um, we have another listener voicemail coming uh, that has to do with this 6K range. I, I don't, I was going to play it now, but I don't think I want to wait. Let's, let's go through some picks and we'll play it at the end. Let's work through the 6K range. Um, any, let's just go through any name here. I mean, I don't really have necessarily a fade or a cash play in the 6K range, but there's a lot of names here that are interesting. In terms of chalk, I think the chalkiest names are potentially going to be Corey Connors, ball striker. This is his third Masters appearance. Um, as of Saturday afternoon, playing okay at the Houston Open right now. Um, I think he's potentially chalk, and I think Lonzo Griffin, despite being a first-timer, is also potentially chalk considering how well he's been playing lately um, and just kind of his the, – the nuts on that guy, you know, I feel like is, is going gonna, is gonna to be something people are going to talk about is Lonzo Griffin. And I say chalk. I mean, I, I, don't, think, I don't think a lot of names in the 6K are going to get over, you know, 15% or whatever. I don't think that's going to happen. But I'm saying the more popular picks in this range. Now, I do kind of like Corey Connors here. Uh, the, we know his struggle is, bent, is putting. We know the bent grass greens are as pure as they get, and, and he can putt those, you know, maybe that neutralizes his poor putting. If you look at his putting splits, it is his best, his best surface by far. And he's one of the best ball strikers out there in terms of iron play. Solid off the tee. Um, missed a cut at his first Masters, finished 46th at the next one. So he's progressively getting a little better here. So I could see a top 20, top 15 for Corey Connors, and, and especially if he continues playing well here at the Houston Open. So I do like him. Um, what are some other names up here you're, you're, you're liking? 6K range. Well, I was surprised when you were talking about chalk because I don't necessarily think this guy's going to be chalk. And, again, I agree, not, not a whole lot. No, nobody's really that much of a chalk play anyway down in the 6K range. But Sebastian Munoz, to me, I think is interesting. It's 6,700. This hmm. is his first Masters as well, but he's coming in in great recent hmm. form. If you look at stats, I mean, he's, he's checking the box in par 5 scoring, ball striking. He's good around the greens, top 30 in the field, 20th in approach. I think Munoz made, makes a whole lot of sense. He's one of those guys that I think could easily be in that 7K range if it wasn't for the fact that he's never played here before. So I like him here. You know, a guy that's going to be interesting to me because we've seen him play well at the Houston Open, and we haven't seen him at all in the last couple months, few months. Francesco Molinari could be. Yeah, how about Molinari making some a, waves? He's a gamble, in but the guy has a great track record here. Um, you know, I know, you know, again, we haven't seen him in all that in, in, a, in a long time, but I think he's, so I don't think he's going to have that much ownership as well. I like seeing now. I don't, you know, there's always a question in my mind of like, how much do you, you know, how much do you weigh how they played the week before a major or especially this, you know, for the masters or whatever. Um, he is one though, that I kind of looked at and wondered, I wonder what his form is going to be like at the Houston. Open. I just want, you know, cause we haven't seen him at all really, you know, and he's, he's playing pretty well. So well, what's weird that, for him, I, I just looked at this. As of Saturday afternoon, he's actually – the thing that I don't like about him is he's actually not doing too well with his irons. He, he's losing strokes uh, on approach right now. He's actually gaining strokes with the flat stick, which is not usually what happens for Mal – or what was happening for Molinari. Let me look right now. He's So as, as of recording sign, this, though. he's through 12 holes in his third round. He's uh, – yeah, he's he's basically just under zero on strokes gain off the tee and strokes gain approach. He's gaining 
Uh, he's fifth in the field in strokes gain around the green and eighth in the field in putting as of halfway, more than halfway through his third round. Um, I don't know. To, to me, you know, the variable nature of that is a little concerning just because the, the putting can go and the, but if the irons are still kind of not great, I mean, we'll see what happens on Sunday. It, it'll, it will be interesting to see. I mean, he finished top five last year, right? Yeah. So, I mean, well, he was, I mean, he was right there until he kind of crapped the bed on 12. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. anyway, I think that's interesting. A guy near the bottom, South African Justin Harding, who finished T12 Oof. in his first. We talked about a guy who is in his first, you know, Masters and finishes T12. I think Harding's an interesting play at 6,300. He's, you know, a GPP play, obviously. We've seen him on the European Tour. Let's see. I got to go to – so he was 30th in his last – He hasn't been playing great this year, I don't think. Well, let's see. He was 30th in his last start at the Scottish Open. You go back to September where he had a top – he was 11th at the Irish Open. He was third at the um, – I can't even pronounce it – Masters. <laughs> he was third there. So, I mean, he's had some good finishes for a guy. We're talking about a guy at 6,300 who's played, you know, pretty well yeah. on the European Tour. Yeah. So, I, I think he could be worth a flyer. And he's shown some history here, you know, that's been good. So, yeah, and there are a lot I, of names in here that I think you can go on. I mean, there are also some that you just can't play at all, which you mentioned real early in the show um, that I would I would just avoid altogether. Well, I think a name that I said was going to be a little popular that I would fade is Lonto. Actually, um, I think I'm out on Lonto. He's he has he has played well since the restart, um, but it, he is a first timer here. I, I just the driving accuracy is a little shaky and and even despite the good finishes he's he's not scoring on par fives very well um he's just he's had some really strong putting weeks i mean he finished 11th at the zozo 7th at the cj cup and in both of those tournaments he gained over six shots putting that's a lot in fact if you look over his pga tour career um, he's only gained more than six shots putting once, and that's in 54 events. So, you know, I, there's a lot of variability there with Lonto. So I don't love first-timer Lonto with, you know, smoking hot putter um, down in this range. So if I were going to avoid one, I think that I think he'd be one. But I, I'm, I'm looking into Eric Van Ruyen, the South African at 6,900, does hit it a long way, can take advantage of the par fives. Um and, uh, and, you know, plays, plays well in big events, you know, plays well in big events, I think has potential. I think his, his floor is pretty good for 6,900. It's all about the flat stick for Van Ruyen. Another guy that it's all about the flat stick is my boy Siwoo Kim. And I think Siwoo Kim could be a little chalky too, if I'm honest. I mean, he's been playing really well lately. And he's got back-to-back top 25s at, at the Masters. Um, we'll see what he, you know, we'll see what happens with him. What, what's he doing right now in Houston? I think he's, I think he's not great in Houston. Um, let's see. Oh yeah. He missed the cut. He missed the cut on the number. Um, I don't really care about that. Honestly, he, his ball striking has been really, really good. He's a great scrambler. Um, so I think, I think Siwoo's one to watch. And then, I mean, what do we think about our boy CH3? You know, we talked we talked to Charles at the top of the show, appearing in his 12th Masters. And in his last five Masters, he's made three of five cuts. And when he's made the cut, he's finished 30th, 19th, and most recently 32nd. Now, recent form, not awesome. You know, it's not terrible, but not awesome. 
He had a 34th at the Shriners, miscut at Punta Cana, played the U.S. Open, finished 30th. BMW at Olympia Fields, 48th. Um, third place at the 3M Open. Those are kind of the highlights since the restart. But he's also missed, you know, missed a bunch of cuts. But here's a guy who does know Augusta National really, really well. Can can bomb it, you know, hits it a long way. Can get these par fives. You know, would you rather have Justin Harding at 6,300 or Charles Howell at 6,400? I'm I'm surprised. Well, I think I, I mean I, I I do like Charles. As a matter of fact, bringing him up makes me think we should have asked him this question. Why don't we ask him what he thinks about no fans for his play? Because well, he's a guy that comes into this tournament every year being from Augusta with a lot of pressure. Yeah. You know, a guy like Kiz is the same. Now, Kiz has been pretty solid here. He's made every cut that he's – you know, every start he's had, he's made the cut. Charles has been a little hit or miss, and I think he puts a lot of pressure on himself. So, I think fan, no fans might benefit him a little bit. I think he's coming in under the radar, not a whole lot of pressure – um, you know, he's not getting out there with everybody hollering his name or wanting his attention or whatever that might know him or whatever it is. So I think that, that Charles with no fans is, is a better Charles for the Masters. So I do like that at 6,400. I think he's a good play. I have one more name I want to talk about, and it's our buddy JT Poston. Aaron Fleener, our, our buddy Aaron Fleener, one of the best caddies on the PJ Tour, caddies for JT Poston. JT's appearing in his first Masters. Charles mentioned JT Poston when we asked him about a first-timer that he liked. He mentioned JT. He's a 6,300 on DraftKings. Um, and if you look at the form, you go, oof, I don't know. The, the trouble, when, when JT's not playing well, it's usually his irons fall off a little bit. He's a fantastic putter. He's one of the best putters on the PGA Tour. You know, and, and he has the ability to, to gain a ton of strokes on the, on the putting surfaces, as he did a few weeks ago with the Sanderson when he finished third and gained eight and a half strokes putting. It's all about the iron play for JT. And if you look since the restart, the iron started pretty bad um, and stayed pretty bad until the Sanderson, where he finished third, and he gained three and a half strokes. I'm looking at the Houston Open right now, and JT Poston is uh, five under, and he's in eighth place as we're recording this. But his approach to the green numbers, he's gained over four and a half shots with his irons and stands uh he's that's good for 10th in the field with irons and of course he's still putting amazing he's gained over four and a half strokes putting as well good for ninth in the field watch out if jt arrives at augusta hitting his irons well you know if he's hitting his irons well and we get reports from fleener on wednesday hey man my, my boy's striping it right now you know even for a first timer i think jt poston has top 20 upside you know, I, I don't think he's going to win. I don't think he's going to – top five maybe a stretch in this field. Top ten maybe a stretch in this field. But for a guy that you pay 6300 for, if he can hit his irons well at Augusta, I think he's worth a look. I don't mind that at all. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm okay. I'm interested to hear what uh, – get some comments from Fleener during the week. I have a, I have a feeling yeah. it's going to be a big week for Fleener as well. But um, Yeah. All right, let's take our, our last listener voicemail, Pat. We'll end on this. This came in from our buddy Brian Halverson, longtime listener, Nut Hut member as well. Appreciate you, Brian. Um, Brian has a has a question for me, you, and I guess Ben, uh, who's not here, but we'll we'll go ahead and throw this out there. Let's take a listen to Brian Halverson. Hello, this is Brian Halverson calling. My question about Augusta with Masters would be if 
you guys formed a three-man scramble team with Pat, DB, and Ben, and you entered the Masters as a, as a single player. One, what would your DK pricing be? What would be a fair DK price? And two, would you be in your own player pool? Okay, so great question, creative question from Brian Halverson. If me and you and Chalk Bomb Ben, the third, the third piece of the Tour Junkies puzzle, were a three-man scramble team playing Augusta National in the Masters, where would we be priced on DraftKings? And would we put ourselves in our player pool on DraftKings? Pat, where do you think we would be priced? We would definitely be in the 6K range. We'd be 100%. Near the bottom. Yep. I think we'd be in that 63 to 6,400 range where we just talked about, Charles. Um, okay. I think um, – actually, I don't know. I, I'll go with – because I don't think anybody really below 6,200 is worth a play. So, well, I don't know. I'll just stick with – I'll stick with uh, – we'll go 6,400. Um, I think that – if, if it were me, if it were me picking the player pool, I would not have us because yeah. I know how my game has been lately. So I'd, I'd yeah. probably be like, I, I know this. We wouldn't need me except for maybe around the greens and putting. Correct. I've got a lot of experience putting on bent. If we were to look at the last 100 rounds, I'm, I'm pretty good on bent. Um, other than that, I don't know if you'd be taking many of my drives. You wouldn't be taking um, many of my approach shots. Maybe around the green. But other than that, that's about where I that's where I would contribute. So I don't think I'd have us in the player pool. I can for sure tell you that I wouldn't be in our in I would not have us in the player pool. I would price us at uh, remember back in the day when DraftKings first started doing golf and there was a five K range. There remember was that? Like a fifty eight hundred. I would make us fifty nine hundred or six thousand even. That is where we would be. I can't I can't begin to imagine, and I can't believe you even did this, pricing ourselves higher than Fred Couples at 6,100, who, I mean, just in the last five years has two top 20s here at Gus Nash. I was giving you and Ben a little more credit. No, no, you cannot do that. First of all, this is a 70, how long, 100 golf course that we're walking for four days? Like, you walking this course for four days physically – I don't know is possible. So I think maybe by Sunday it'd be down to a two-man scramble. That's fake news, actually. I um, run two or three days a week at least three miles. I may not <laughs> look like it. So that's fake news. I can, I also, I can handle the course. I also feel like if we did this, we would be – if we would, we would kill each other. So I think we'd be a man down. Just somebody would throw a club at somebody else. Um, we're just not – we're we're not we're not there. We're not good enough right now. Not we're not good. Our games are not good. If we were all like, you know, if we were all like better than five handicaps, then I would say, I would I would take us up a notch. But I mean, I'm an eight. Yeah, that's probably yeah. you know Ben's a ten, you're a twelve, you know, and and you guys aren't very long. I mean Ben is the Ryan Armor of of golf, you know. Um, and I think we would need some length. We got to have length. You know, it'd be different if we were doing this on uh, what's the course Brian Gay just won on. I mean, if we if it was Brian Gay's course, then I think we're priced up a little bit. We don't have to have the distance, but we got to have the distance here. And none of us are, you know, even though you know you're a good putter, like we're not that good. We're not going to make these putts. We're not going to make any putts out there. 
That's terrible. We fifty nine hundred is where we'd be. Okay. Thanks for thanks for calling, Brian. Masters DFS show 2020 in the books. Be sure and check out the betting show as well. Be sure check out the YouTube page. We got some new content going up on the YouTube channel as well. Join the Nut Hut. Get in on the Masters contest. Join the Nut Hut for ninety dollars. Enter to win. Um, you know the prize pack, the Masters prize pack, and the TaylorMade putter. Pat, enjoying it, man. Looking forward to a big, big, big week. Some much-needed reprieve that we get the Masters after all this election bullshit. Um, hate that we can't have patrons and we can't be there, but it, it's better than it's better than nothing. It's better than the Houston Open, you know. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. It's weird, but it's awesome. So, it yeah. should be a great week. And um, looking forward to all the content that we're putting out there. Real excited about the Somalia article this week. I think it's going to be going to be some good stuff. So. I'm excited about that too. All right, may your screens be green for the Masters. See you.